guys, Toolman Tim here, coming back at you with another Ramblings from the Road. Today, it is a beautiful minus 15 degrees Celsius. The sun is shining. We got a dusting of snow last night. We have one more day tomorrow of a balmy high of minus 17, and then back into the unseasonably warm temperatures for the foreseeable future. I'm rather excited. It's, uh, yeah, it's been a cool, cool day. Cool week, cool winter so far. Had two months of snow, and yeah. want to share with you guys a little story. First off, today we're going to talk about public speaking, putting together presentations, even putting together like a one-hour podcast, just kind of my procedure for that, and hopefully you guys can pick up some tips from it. But before I do that, I want to share with you guys a story of a gentleman I met last evening, and uh, just it reminded me so much... Well, before I tell you what it reminded me of, I'm sure you guys will know, but let me let me share you the story. So I get a call. This happens quite often. If we have a rental available close to the end of the month, if somebody messages me or calls, normally I'll make time within five or ten minutes to get over there because you know they're either in a bad way or they're looking for something or they need something. So the guy calls me and uh, he said, hey, I'd like to see your apartment. And uh, okay. I see the phone number shows up on my phone, and it's a Nova Scotia number. So I was almost going to let it go to voicemail. I thought, no, I'll answer it. And I did. I'm glad I did. So the, I go over there. I meet the gentleman, and we get talking, and the place looks really good for him. I'm still not 100% sure if, if he's going to rent it or what's going on, but it looks like he's going to. It looks like his boss is going to. So let me kind of explain the story. So he's from Nova Scotia. He has three kids and left them all behind in Nova Scotia for, you know, you Americans out there, that would be like leaving your family in Maine and driving to North Dakota for work, roughly, or maybe even, you know, Washington State, something like that. That's a long ways to leave your family behind. And he was struggling out east, like a lot of us did when I lived there. And it was time for him to get a new job. He's a truck driver and he'd he'd been out here for a long time, did really well, went back east and started struggling again. And that happens. I I know about that. So he got a call one day, a cold call from a company who knew him from the past. And he went and uh, answered the phone and they said, hey, we'd love you to come out here and drive. Can you be here by within a week? And he's like, well, yeah, it was Tuesday. He said, I'll I'll be there by uh, Friday. And they, okay. So he thought he had everything put together and hops in his truck and he makes the five-day drive in just over three. And he shows up on Friday and he shows up and they're like, yeah, we don't have a truck for you. And he's like, do you mean like just for the weekend until I was supposed to be here on Sunday or what? And he goes, maybe. So he waited around a couple of days, slept in his truck the whole time. And come Sunday, they're like, yeah, we have no record of you supposed to work for us. So the guy that called him that wanted to hire him, not even sure what happened, but the, uh, the job went into the ether. It completely disappeared. And I can just imagine how sick to that dude's stomach he was being 5,000 kilometers from home, showing up out here. Basically he was supposed to drive a transport truck. He was supposed to work. I believe it was 20 days on sleep in his truck while he was doing it and then fly home for 10 days back and forth like that. That that was his plan. And eventually the family was probably going to move out here with him. Shows up, boom, nothing. 
So he makes a call to a couple of buddies and one of his friends knows people down in my town and the guy said, yeah, we got all kinds of work. Come on down. And so he showed up on a hope and a wing and a prayer and really nothing else. And we showed him the place and uh, we get talking and he was pretty broken up over it because his boss that he was coming down here to see was like, yeah, you come on down. He said, I will pay your deposit, your first month's rent for you. You can work that part off because I know you can't afford it right now. And the dude was just like, you know, I, I feel a bit like a, a mooch. And I said, y you, I understand, I get it, but I promise you there are thousands upon thousands of people in this province with the exact same story you had. They hopped on a plane, they hopped in a car, they came out here with no money, with nothing but a, a, an ethic to work like a dog, and somebody somewhere took a chance on them, and they made it, and they made a go at it, and they turned out to be the best decision they ever made. And so the longer I'm talking to this guy, of course, I'm thinking more and more about mine and Becky's story and how I left the kids behind. And you guys have all heard that, so I don't need to repeat it. But of course, I had a soft spot for the dude. And it was just, I, it brought me back to nine, you know, just over nine years ago when we did that. And, you know, sometimes it's easy to forget, but, uh, he told me, he's like, Hey, I just have to, I just have to, have to make a go at it this time. And I said, here's the deal. I know you might feel a bit like you're, you know, taking or a mooch or whatever your term terminology would be in this instance. But all, all I can say is, you know, two things, work your ass off and pay it back down the road because somebody helped you now. Just remember at some point you're going to be able to help other people out. So turn around. That's all you can do. You know, you, you, when it comes time to burn those bridges and burn the boats or just take a leap of faith, you're going to need to rely on sometimes the generosity of somebody, because if you're in a bad enough way, you're, there's no other way around it. And so, you know, just do your best to turn around and help someone else and return it in kind. Teach somebody, you know, if you get yourself into a good way financially, help someone else, give them a chance and do it with the expectation that hopefully they'll return it someday. But if they don't make it, that's okay too. But uh, yeah, just for anybody out there who happens to be thinking, man, I want to make that leap or I want to make that jump. Well, I'm telling you, you can do it. There's going to be some hard bumps in the road along the way, but that was uh that was a good reminder for me. I liked, I liked hearing it. I liked meeting the guy. I liked shaking his hand because it was just one of those, another one of those stories of these, of people who got in a bad way and decided to do anything and everything they could to make it better for their family. So just remember that. So with that guys, let's get into the meat of today's show. We're going to talk about, you know, presentation, presenting, public speaking, putting together a script, the whole work. So I'm, I'll walk you through my, my process because I'm getting ready to put together one for Living Free in Tennessee workshop right now, and then two presentations for the uh, Thrivalist Fair in Addie, Washington. And this is, this will kind of sound funny or you know, the topic of what a person is going to present on or the topic you're going to speak about is not that hard to come up with because 
in my instance, you know, I made a list on my phone here a few weeks ago just to refresh things, but basically what, what are the topics you could get up and do a decent job of a presentation right now with almost zero prep? If I give you five minutes and said I need you to get up there and give a 15-minute presentation on whatever, what are the things you could talk about? And of course, you know, I, for me, it'd be entrepreneurship, it would be home maintenance, tools, uh, <laughs> movies, which really isn't, you know, be hard to make a presentation on, but uh, prepping, fuel storage, the, you know, those are a few for sure. And I'm sure there's a bunch more off the top of my head, but those, you know, content creation, that's another one. So first off, make a list yourself so that you know, okay, what are the things that I, I'm going to present on or what are the things I'm going to talk about? So then, of course, when somebody contacts you or you contact someone else wanting to speak at their event or do a presentation for them or at your local library, well, you already know, okay, these are the four or five topics that, I don't like to use the word expert on, but these are the four or five topics that someone would be willing to come and hear you present on because you have a certain level of knowledge that other people don't have. How's that for talking around the subject? So for me, you know, my, my mine are... You know, home maintenance, entrepreneurship, content creation. Those are the three that I'm, I've been presenting on and tend to get a lot of traction on. So I know that. So when I was talking to this lady for the Thrivalist Fair, she said, I'd like you to present twice. I said, oh, I can do that. Sure. And she said, would you be able to do one on starting your own business and the other one on self-reliance and independence in home maintenance? Absolutely. So that, that's easy, okay? That, 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 that to me is, that's a no-brainer, okay? Here's the thing. This is the hardest part for me is coming up with my title. <laughs> it needs to be catchy. And I know, don't, okay, now don't fret over this. This is just the way I do it. But once I have a topic, then I need to kind of formulate what am I going to talk about within that topic, and then you need to think about, well, who is my audience? You know, the, the Thrivalist Fair is uh, a little similar to the uh, Self-Reliance Festival where you would have people from both dichotomies, you, you know, some from the political left and some from the political right, and then some right down the middle. Whereas, say, at Prepper Camp, 80 to 90% of the people at Prepper Camp would be from the political right. And, you know, if you went to, a, say, a Mother Earth News Fair, I, I'm going to guess that the majority would be from the political left. And that, that's okay, but always consider your audience when you're putting together a presentation. So for me, the title comes out of kind of my audience and who I'm speaking with and then what my focus is going to be. So, you know, last year at Nicole's LFTN, it was, uh, you can do it. You know, So the, the, the first bit is a kind of catch. And then the next bit was, you know, finding freedom and independence through entrepreneurship. Well, yeah, that, that's what it was. And once I have that title, or at least, and it doesn't have to be a 100%, this is the exact title of the presentation, but I do try to have that so that I can give that and a bit of a summary to whoever's, you know, um, promoting what I'm doing at least a couple of months ahead of time. Because what that does is that gets my mind in autopilot mode. And that's a good thing. <laughs> so what basically what that is, is I know in two or three months that I need to present on entrepreneurship and home maintenance. So then I do a brain dump and I open up 
a notepad file on my phone. And every time I think of something, no matter how dumb it is, you know, something like, don't forget to turn the light switch off when you leave your garage. Well, okay. You know what? There's a good chance I'm not going to put that in my presentation. <laughs> but if it comes to mind for whatever reason, and it's tied into the idea of my presentation in my brain, it goes into that file folder. doesn't matter. Everything, everything and anything you can think of, that's what you start with. So we do that. And of course, some, now if this is your first time, you may not have much of a, you know, presentation history or anything, and that, that's okay. But another thing that I do is funny stories, funny illustrations, any interesting news articles that I read that might be pertinent, I end up putting them in their own folder on the computer, or sorry, on my phone. So they end up having their own little hideaway for anything that might come in handy with presentations. So, you know, like uh, the other day I was reminded of, I think I even talked about it in one of my uh, podcasts, but there was a time when we were in college, we were <laughs> heading out to what's called Quiddy Falls. They're these beautiful falls, but they're, they're an unmarked trail to get to them. And we had two carloads worth of people and we stopped where we thought the road was or where the trail was. And we all headed in the woods together and we got, you know, maybe 500 feet off the highway and realized we were friggin' lost. We were just completely didn't know where we were. And so we, we stopped and I said, okay, you guys stand here. One person walk within hollering distance. And we did that for about 10 minutes. We found our way back. Now, where am I ever going to use that story? I'm not sure, but it was uh, a vibrant enough memory and an interesting enough story that I put down a few words in a notepad so that I'd remember it. So that, that's the type of thing I do so that I have a bunch of stories and illustrations. It's an old pastor's trick that I learned in, in college. Of course, back in the day, you know, pastors had literal file folders. So if they saw something stupid in the newspaper, they would cut it out, put it on a eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, and then file it away in S for stupid, you know, that kind of thing. Whatever it happens to be. So I thought that was kind of neat. Uh, and that, that, that's a way that, you know, you can kind of spruce things up. And for me, uh, movies tend to play a, a big part in my presentations, or at least, you know, they're, they're a gold mine for funny stories or illustrations. And the reason is, is that, you know, especially if you pick the right movie, but you show it in a different light, it tends to be a shared collective experience and people love collective and shared experiences. So that's one thing I love to do. So yeah, uh, I mind dump. Anytime I think about it, I throw things into this big folder and it doesn't matter what it is. So once I get a bunch of those in there, I would say a month, maybe six weeks out, I take that mind dump and I make a rough script. Now, not everybody likes to type out everything that they're going to say, but I will say, at least for me, in my experience, and if this is one of your first times presenting, then you need to figure out how long your presentation is and then Google, okay, uh, you know, I, I know for me that about five pages of rough notes, not typed out completely, but five pages of rough notes is good for about an hour to an hour and a half podcast. Now, not everybody needs that many, but that's what I have and they're just bullet points. But you need to look up and say, okay, well, I got a 20-minute presentation. Google it and say, how many words do I need for a 20-minute presentation? So then put together an absolute rough script. And it doesn't need to be in any order or anything. Just type it all out, kind of 
one, every, this is where you start going through that brain dump you had in every point that you have. Say, okay, well, that's not bad. And maybe it's something, okay, that's stupid. Don't delete it. Just, just move it to the bottom of the page. But all the things that seem really pertinent or exciting or interesting, start expanding on them. Write two, three, four paragraphs and then see where you end up. And you'll be surprised because at the end of this, if you did it in a rough form, like with bullet points, you know, you'll be able to expand on it from there. Or if you did it in a uh, full, you know, paragraph sentences, everything, then you'll, you'll probably have more than you need to present. Now, here's the thing. At this point, it's going to be all out of order and disjointed. And that, that's okay. But the act of putting that whole presentation together, so of taking all those points that you thought about, and expanding on them is what it takes to start to formulate a flow in there. So when I was taught expository preaching, uh, illustrative preaching, introduction to oral communication, we had a acronym, I don't know if that's it, but it was EIA, Explanation, Illustration, Application. And there's a thousand different ways to call it, but that's what I learned. And we typically learn three-point sermons because humans seem to like things in threes. Now, I don't always do that. You know, when I do presentations, if it's an hour presentation, I might have eight or ten points. But each point, within reason, should follow that kind of bit. So you would say something like, when maintaining a generator, or when, when wanting to keep a generator running properly... Routine maintenance is key. So here's routine maintenance. Well, what well, what does that mean? Well, I'm going to do the E, the explanation. Well, routine maintenance means running it once a month and changing the oil once a year and et cetera, et cetera. So that's the explanation. And then you'd you'd go on to the, uh, the illustration. <laughs> and this would be something like, well, let me tell you. Years ago, when I worked at Home Hardware and I didn't have a lot of money. It's funny how when you don't have a lot of money, you don't always value things as much. I don't understand. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I bought a brand new King generator. I think it was 3,500 or 4,000 watts. It was, it was a good generator. And I bought it and I ran it the first time. And I was so proud of that damn thing. And it worked beautifully. And I stored it in my basement and they were steep old basement steps. So that first, that was the first point. That was a horrible place to put it because guess what? Anyway, we'll talk about that in a minute. So for the next year and a half, I never started that generator again. Never moved it. Never hauled it up out of them big ass basement stairs and tried it. And so one day we had an unexpected power outage because power outages, Tim, are basically unexpected unless they're planned. Oh boy, that's an astute observation. Hauled that thing up pulled and pulled and pulled and pulled to the point where my arm wanted to fall off and that goddamn thing wouldn't start. And we know why. Because I skipped out the routine maintenance in my head. Well, it's new. It should run. No, sorry, Tim. Not how it works. And it didn't. And it would not run. And I never got it to run again because I ended up selling it before we moved out here. Application. <laughs> well, pretty straightforward, but there's a few things. What lessons did I learn from not regularly maintaining my generator and being a dumbass. <laughs> well, let me tell you guys, the first one was, I better run that damn thing every couple of months. I better make sure there's fresh gas in there. 
But you know what my biggest lesson out of that was? Setting yourself up to make it easy to do that kind of shit. So if I'd have kept it out in a shed where I could just roll it out, you know, in two minutes, roll the thing out, start it up and run it, I would have been way more likely to do that routine maintenance than leaving it in those steep old ass basement steps that I had to, you know, bend over. They, they were steep, but the problem was the very last step was about a double step. So to try to get that generator up was miserable. And then to get my son to help me, well, the two of us, you know, it was a pain in the ass. So there you go. Explanation, illustration, application. And you can do that if you've got three points or 10 points. And of course you can expand it, but that, that's a way to get a really good flow in a presentation or a written document even. And it doesn't have to be that obvious. You don't have to say, well now folks, I'm going to do my explanation. No, no, you're not. You're going to say, you know what? Routine maintenance is rather important on generators. And let me tell you why. <laughs> and then you're not going to say, well, next point is illustration. No, you're going to say, well, Hey, story time, guys. Let's let's chat a little bit and learn from my dumbass. And then application, you're not going to say, well, all right, folks, now it's the application time. No, you're going to be like, what lesson do you think my dumbass learned? <laughs> and, and we'll go from there, right? So, yeah. So that, that's how you put that together. And so sliding back a bit, you've done the mind dump and you've started realizing, okay, well, some of this doesn't fit or this fits here. And then you'll start formulating your points, your kind of outline for the actual presentation. And as that outline comes together, that's where you'll realize, okay, well, this point one, two, and three, or one, two, three, four, five, this needs to be bumped up a little. This needs to be cleared up a little bit, or this needs to be cut out altogether. Now, I don't ever delete anything. I always keep another notepad file open and I copy or sorry, cut and paste into that notepad and I just leave it. I'll just put uh, leftover notes or I'll call it whatever. It'll basically be the title of the presentation, but eliminated stuff. It's kind of like what uh, Stephen King always did with his, um, what do you call them? Chest, chest stories or whatever. Basically stories where um, he wrote them. He wasn't happy with them. And so he ended up turning them into, he'd throw them into a wooden chest and forget about them. Now, now today you don't need to do that. You can just um, basically you know, leave them electronic, but yeah. So don't ever delete anything, no matter how dumb you think it might be, because that stupid idea could end up being the kernel that inspires you to tell an entire story at some point. So just keep it in another file folder. I mean, it's not like the days where electronic storage was so scant and so expensive that you ended up only using two dates for a digit. Yeah, that just, uh, that dated me there, didn't it? So yeah, don't ever delete anything, but then once you've put that presentation, that outline together, all of a sudden it's starting to take form. And for me, the most important is the opening paragraph and the opening conclusion. <laughs> the opening conclusion, dumbass. Yeah, yeah, no. The opening paragraph and the closing paragraph. Those are the two. Those are the hooks. Those are the, this is why you need to listen to me. And at the end, this is the, this is what you should do when you go home. And this is why you should do it. And so, it, you know, I spend as much time on my entire presentation as I do on those opening and closing paragraphs. And those will be the ones that I'll practice first, or at least I will word and reword and reword a few times to make sure they're really good. So once you have, now here's the thing, just because you write the entire presentation out 
doesn't mean you're going to take that entire presentation with you when you present or when you do a podcast. But especially early on, it's really important, in my, my opinion, to have that entire presentation out word for word so that you know what you're going to present. And actually, when I first started preaching and presenting, I did everything. Uh, I presented the entire thing from a word for word document. And that's all I did at first. And that was okay. That was cool. But it, eventually I was like, no, nah, I want to get better. But the key is, if you want to be able to present from, you know, memory or from just a few words on a piece of paper, that's the way to do it. So yeah, start with getting a full on script, page for page, word for word, and then start reading that out loud. I mean, you know, a month before, a week before, whatever it happens to be, however much time you have, make sure you read it once or twice a day, because that's when your brain starts saying, oh, this is making sense. And a lot of times you're not going to know how well a presentation works until the first time you hear it out loud. Now, in the past, I've tried to record myself practicing and then listening back to it. But even though I'm a, an auditory learner, that doesn't work for me for some reason. Just the sheer act of presenting it is all I need. Now, you may want to listen to it. You may want to hire someone else to listen to you do it. There were times that I was on the road and I would call up Becky and say, hey, hon, will you listen to my presentation over the phone? And she absolutely did. I'm sure she, you know, was scrolling her phone and stuff while she was doing it, but it was, it was a huge help just having somebody else listen and say, hey, hun, this works, this doesn't work, that kind of stuff. So from there, once you have read that presentation out loud a few times, you'll start to get the flow. You'll start to get the feel for how this presentation is going to come together. And then you can start turning it into an outline. So now you've done all the work you're like, you've started with an outline, you've expanded to an entire script. Now you're going to cut it back to a bunch of memorable points. So if you think back to high school days or college days, we did this more in college for some reason. I'm not sure why, but we would try to make lists or, you know, a word that each letter would represent a sentence, which rarely ever worked for me. But basically what you're doing is you're trying to you're trying to passively memorize a paragraph or two at a time. But you don't want to be like, today, folks, we are going to learn about the benefits of having studded tires in the wintertime. No, you're not going to do that because once you've got it in your brain, if you're reading it, it might feel that way. But if you've put that presentation together and then you start cutting it back to studded tires, that might be the only word on your page. So I get it down to an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper on one side and I'll fold it in half. So it's basically half a sheet of paper and my half of my notes will be on the top and half will be on the bottom. And the reason I do that is for time constraints because once I've put a presentation in my brain, the first few times you read it, you're going to be like, wow, I was really fast. And then once it comes time to actually do it, it's probably going to take you longer than you think it will. I found that every single time. So that's the big reason why I have an outline with me. And I'll never go away from an outline simply because two things. I need a clock and I need an outline so that it keeps me on pace for where I'm going. So yeah, you, you brain dump, you build an outline, you expand that outline, you write a script, you take that script, 
you practice that script a bunch of times, then you put it down to an outline. And here's the thing, put it down to an outline before you're completely comfortable with presenting from the script. Because if you wait until you think, ah, I've got it, I've got it figured out, I can present from a script now, you're going to end up practicing way too much. I find five to seven times of practicing altogether from script to outline is enough. Because the first time you present from an outline, you're probably going to be a little bit short. And you're even though you're doing it in a hotel room or in your basement or in your office, you're going to feel like, I can't remember everything. And don't be afraid to stop and look at the overall script when you're practicing your outline presentation because it's okay to refresh your memory. That's when you're doing it because that little, that act of doing it will accident will actually put that in your brain. So then the first time you're going to present from the outline, you're going to feel lost. You're going to need to refresh by the second time. It's going to get a little better by the third time. You know, I, I tend to present from an outline in practice three or four times. And that tends to be fresh enough that I don't, I don't feel like it's stale, but it's also embedded in my memory enough that I know I can get up and present at that time. So that's kind of the process. And then, of course, make sure you record that presentation the day you do it. If for no other reason, I mean, to, if, if you're a content creator, hell yeah, make sure ahead of time, you know, when I'm talking to an event place that wants me to speak, you know, there's a few questions I ask. And one of them is, are you okay with me recording my presentation and putting it online? And... It would have to be a pretty big event or a pretty sweet deal where I would agree to do a presentation that I couldn't share later on. Because for me, that's part of what I do. And I know people were like, well, yeah, but we're paying to come and see it. Yeah. You know, when you go to an event, you're paying for the experience of seeing someone in person and conversing in person. And those are important things. And it's not the same as being able to hear it online. But for me, that's important. I like to have my content. And also, I, and if they say, well, you can't put it online, we'll say, okay, I would like to record it for myself. And if they say no to that, then that, that's a deal breaker for me. But I want to be able to rewatch it and see how I did. Because to me, that, that's the, one of the biggest things I do in a year is a, a live presentation. And when I do that, it's, it's a big deal to me. And I, I, I want to be able to look back and, you know, I, I was watching, I started downloading some old, some of my, actually the very first tool review videos I've ever done. I was downloading them because I wanted to cut them up into one minute shorts for TikTok and Amazon. And I'm downloading these and I'm listening to them and I'm like, how the hell? I can't even cut those down. They're so bad. <laughs> so some of these I got to refilm. So that's why it's fun to see where you've came from. So record that stuff. You know, make sure you have somebody in the audience that will record for you or do what I do and just bring a tripod in my phone. And the audio is, is good enough. You know, it, it, it's not going to be perfect, but you will be happy with the quality. And in my opinion, I'm just dead happy to be able to bring that home with me that to me that's part of celebrating my accomplishment and you should too find a way to do that but for me recording it is is important so yeah um another question i ask when i'm talking to them is what's the audience like you know well okay how big of a crowd do you expect and that that doesn't you know that doesn't matter at prepper camp i presented to 
I don't know, probably the biggest night was 60 and the smallest night was like seven. So you're going to present the same, but it's just good to know how big the crowd's going to be. It's good to know indoor, outdoor, what kind of sound they're going to have, what the weather's like. And most importantly, who is their core or the, who is their ideal customer that they're looking to attract or their ideal, you know, um, event planner person? Because, you know, truth is truth no matter where, you know, um, no matter where or how you present it, truth is always a, a truth. But depending on the audience that you're presenting to, you're going to formulate that truth in a whole lot of different ways. You know, uh, Marshall McLuhan always said the medium is the message. In other words, people aren't going to get the message unless it's presented in the proper medium. And that's how it goes too, you know. I mean, you're going to you're going to present different to a group of Gen... Well, I'm not even going to attempt to present to Gen Zs, I don't think. But you would present different to a group of Gen Zs than you would to a group of boomers, right? Just simple as that. Because if I made a bunch of jokes about... I don't even know what the Gen Zs are into. But, you know, you basically... Or, you know, I wouldn't stand up in front of a bunch of Gen Zs and be like, you know what I hate? How long it takes to dial a phone on a rotary. A rotary phone. Like, or, you know what's funny? Party lines. You know, when you can pick up and your neighbor, they're like, what the hell are you talking about, old man? So no matter how good a truth I had, if I present it in that <laughs> that fashion, I'm that out of touch with whomever I'm presenting to, ain't going to happen. So yeah, remember, find out who the audience is, who who the core person, who ask the, the event attender, who is your ideal customer? And if they can't answer that question, run. Don't walk, but run. No, I'm just kidding. Well, anyway, I, that would be something. If, if they don't know who they're trying to attract, I'm not sure you want to be there. But there. So find that out, Who the you know what the event's like, what the crowd size is like. Uh, also, this is important too. Find out about uh, the rating of the event. And now you might say, well, that's disingenuous, Tim. Well, no, it's not. Because I was always brought up to respect the people I was around. Now, here's a good example. When I played badminton in high school, competitively, the best people in the province, or some of the best, were from the French Shore, down near Matagan and Church Point and all of that. And they were great people. And they all told me, my, my generation, that they were brought up because everybody down there spoke French and English. Now, French was their native tongue, but English they were just as competent with because in that area it was very small and they had to know. So they were always brought up that if there was one English person in the room, they spoke English. If it was a whole French group, they all spoke French, but it was just courtesy. You know, if I'm around my mom and dad, they don't swear, so I tend to cool my swearing down. So when you're going to an event, now you guys know that I, uh, I can cuss like a sailor and that's okay. But you need to find out about these events ahead of time. Like, what what is the what is the expected rating? Are there going to be kids there? And, per, and um, because the last thing you want to do is, you know, get up and say, "Hey guys, today we're going to learn about uh, George Carlin, seven words you can't say on television." And it turns out that it's a uh, you know uh, an eight to twelve year old pre- uh, group that's there for the presentation. So you you know, find out who your group is and make sure you present it in that fashion. Remember, the medium is the message, and that's important. 
And then afterwards, you know, hang on to it. it. For me, I try to hang on to that one page of notes because by the time I'm done doing all my presenting and my um, practicing, there's a bunch of handwritten notes on there. The pages get creased. They get a little bit dirty. It's a, a physical token or a memento that I take with me. So I, I try to hang on to those and put them in, put them in a, a file folder or somewhere just so I have that one specific thing. It's always, it's always nice, you know? But yeah, so that's kind of the idea of how I formulate a presentation. Now that's for public speaking, but it 100% works if you're putting together a podcast or an online kind of, um, I don't want to say presentation, but say a teaching course or a training course or something like that. And one more thing that I didn't mention or I didn't talk about is I, when I, when I mentioned I spend a ton of time on my opening and closing paragraph. That could be more like the opening and closing half page. But basically what it is, is the hook. And for me, the hook is explaining what I'm doing and getting people either shocked or entertained early on. And that's where I try to find, you know, the um, certain, I don't know, a certain scene from a movie that everybody can relate to or a, a certain really embarrassing story. But when you're spending a lot of time on that on the opening and closing hook, you'll find it. You'll know what, you'll know that thing that's going to work perfectly for you once it gets, you won't, it just takes some time. So feel free to throw the baby out with the bathwater and start over. I've done that. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was my self-reliance. Yeah, it was. So my self-reliance festival presentation, I had the entire thing outlined out and basically turned into a script. And at the end, I was basically unhappy with it, almost completely unhappy with it. And that kind of sucked because I was only a couple of weeks away from hopping in the car, driving, you know, what, 35, 4,000 kilometers to prepper camp. And I knew I only had a week between prepper camp and self-reliance festival. So I, I scrapped the whole thing and I rewrote a whole new script from scratch and started over. And you know what? I saved that other presentation. Come to think of it, I need to revisit that. But anyway, that's something for another day. So yeah, don't ever delete anything. Don't ever throw it away because yeah, it's, you never know when it's going to come back and, and work for you. And the last thing guys that you're going to say is I could never get up in front of a group and present. Well, yes, you could. I remember in college, a little guy named Ben Perry, cute little dude. He was if he was five feet tall and weighed 90 pounds, that's all it was. He was just, just a scrawny dude. Nothing wrong with him, just scrawny. And he was as quiet as a church mouse. And everyone had to take uh, introduction to oral communication. So that, that, was, that was a thing you had to do. And that was fine. Well, he ended up becoming a pastor, which means he took all of the courses. But I remember in our introduction to oral communication, we had to do a five to seven minute final course, final uh, presentation. And he did one on his cat. I don't know if it was mittens or what the name of the cat was, but it was on his cat. And it was pretty cool. And I remember him getting up there and presenting and he was scared shitless. I mean, he was, he was kind of vibrating, not vibrate, but shaking just a little bit. And his voice had that, you know, you know, hesitation. And he's a quiet dude to begin with. And he was up on the pulpit and this, we did the final presentation down in the chapel 
So it was a big open area. There was still only maybe 60 people in the class, but that, you know, that was something. And he got up there and he did that. And when he stepped off the stage, he got a standing ovation from everybody in the room. And you know what? That guy right there probably had the worst case of crippling social anxiety I had ever seen in my life. And he managed to get up there and do that presentation. And guess what? Every presentation he did after that, he was still scared. He was still nervous. But he always had that belief in his brain, that memory, that he'd already done it once. And once you've done it once, you can do it twice and three times and however many times it takes. But you have to do it the one time. And if you're scared shitless, but you're passionate about it and you feel like it is on your heart or on your brain to do it, then you need to do it. How can I set you up for success? Well, putting together a really, really good presentation first. That, like I said, that is the key. And then second is practicing the hell out of it. The more you practice, the more comfortable you will be. Now, the day of, or probably more important, more truthfully, the night before, you're going to want to call and cancel. Don't do it. Because that first time you're going to be scared because the fear of the unknown, you know, uh, I believe it was Hitchcock that always said the monster you don't see is worse than the monster you do. And the monster you don't see is the night before you're doing your very first presentation. And you might be a little sick to your stomach and a little bit nervous. And you might say, Tim, well, why the hell would I do this if I feel like that? Well, how else do we get experience and wisdom and character? Right? That, that, is, that is one way. You take your time and you do something that you absolutely fucking don't want to do. And then you do it and you're like, holy shit, I did that. Whatever it happens to be, might be bungee jumping for somebody. I'll be damned. I ain't going to be bungee jumping. But you know what one thing was for me? Last summer, we went to the West Edmonton Mall and they had a, uh, you know, spend an, spend an hour with a, um, a sloth. That was a lot of fun. But when we showed up, it turned out they had this reptile thing as well. And uh, I wouldn't say I'm terrified of snakes, but I certainly don't love them. And I don't want to, you know kind of cuddle with them. Well, I got talking to the guy and he's like, Hey, Tim, uh, I think you should hold this snake. And I'm like, okay. And I did. And I petted him. And you know, I still don't love snakes, but guess what? I know that I grabbed this great big snake and held onto it for quite some time. And I didn't pass out from fright or fear, or I didn't shit my pants or anything. So doing things that you don't want to do gives you more control over your own life. Every time you think, I'm getting ready to build a business, I don't want to call this person, I don't want to call that person because I just don't want to do cold calls. I hate doing cold calls. Well, do it. If you don't want to do something, that's when you do it. And that, and, and I'm speaking from experience and I'm preaching to myself because I'm really bad at that. I will put something off that I don't want to do because I feel like I can't do it. But I've gotten better at it. So that's what you do, guys. And you Say, well, I just can't. I'm scared to death. Well, yeah, so is everybody. Nothing's going to happen when you get up there and, uh, and speak. Well, hopefully something happens. Hopefully people are moved and inspired to, to follow whatever advice you give them. But when it comes down to it, that's the only way to do it. And I don't care how many YouTube videos you watch. I mean, when mom... Mom did not want to come out east or out, out west last year. We, we paid for their flights and we said, Mom, you're coming. And she said, I can't. I'm scared to death. I don't want to come. I said, well, it's okay. 
but you'll come. <laughs> she, you know, she watched all the videos in the world on YouTube about preparing to fly. And, you know, it helped maybe 10%. But honestly, what really helped, the only thing that helped was getting up that morning, hopping on that flight, and flying out west. And then flying back and getting a little bit of turbulence and being like, okay, it wasn't fun, but it was fine. And so by that point, she had the experience and now she'll always have it. So remember that. Whatever it is, if it's something that you're absolutely scared of, find a way to ease that tension a bit and then just get up there and do it. Because even if you only ever do it once, you know you conquered your fear that one time. So that's it, guys. I hope you enjoyed that. I actually got up on my hobby horse and did a little preaching there for a bit. Haven't done that in a long time. So I really hope you enjoyed that. This was 100% off the cuff with zero notes. I usually try to have seven or eight bullet points to give you uh, from a notepad when I'm even doing ramblings from the road, but I didn't even do that this morning. So 45 minutes ain't too shabby. So guys, I hope you enjoy your day. I'm not exactly sure what day this episode will come out yet. It may be this Saturday or it could be three weeks from now. I may even record a second one on the way back, but I'm almost to Lloydminster. So guys, as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week.